Google released its ChatGPT competitor this week while Microsoft continued to add more AI functions to Bing, all while others called for more AI regulation. In the meantime, big tech layoffs continue at both Meta and Amazon, causing more concern about the overall tech economy. We'll jump into these stories and other tech news on this episode of Today in Tech. Hi, everyone. I'm Keith Shaw. Welcome back to Today in Tech. Joining me to discuss a bunch of news items from the week is our old pal Chris from Behind the Computer. Welcome, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Having a good week? Uh, it's not that bad. Not, not bad. bad. Okay. Um, again, the two big stories for me this week were a lot of uh, stuff going on around uh, the AI, uh, chat GPT, generative AI. It keeps, it keeps you know, generating more and more so stories. The gift that keeps on giving. It really is. It's, it's fascinating to just kind of try it out and see what happens. So uh, remember when Google announced Bard a few weeks ago and they, they had that big uh, press announcement and then someone s- saw that they you know there was an error in one of their demonstrations um do you remember that like they they said something about the hubble space telescope that wasn't true in in the 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 prompt and response i actually must have missed that oh okay well it was it was a big deal and then google went like radio silent so then like you didn't hear anything about it so they finally you know and then there were a couple of kind of bubbling up stories that people were pissed off that that happened and oh you rushed it and google was like no no no, we're not responding to chat gpt and microsoft but in reality they were so so this week google announced bard bard ai is ready for for consumption like it's 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 now officially launched and so this 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 came out on monday and uh basically same kind of thing like it's generative ai you typed in a prompt you type in a prompt it gives you an answer you have a more conversational ai it's not a search engine it's just sort of you know is this the one that has feelings uh, or was that? No, I don't think. Like maybe the early version. Is this the one? The earlier version may have like that. There was that Google engineer who thought that um, it had reached consciousness. Oh yeah, and then he got fired. <laughs> like <laughs> they're like, no, no, it doesn't. So, um, so what was interesting about this is that there was still a wait list to get into uh, into Bard, mm-hmm. and so. Me being a, you know, I'm a, I'm a nobody, but I do use a lot of Google products. So maybe, maybe I did get pushed up to the list. Remember when Microsoft was like, you have to do this, this, and this in order to get on the wait or to jump ahead in the wait list. Yeah. So I, so with Google for, to get into Bard, I just had to push a button and said, Hey, let me know when I'm off the wait list. Um, and then I think I was already signed in under Google anyway. So within like two days i was i was granted access so it feels like they're opening it up to more people faster than what microsoft did Um, and i don't have to download google chrome or any other special google equipment it's just baked right in it's to be honest i'm using that anyway yeah. So like, I think Google realizes, yeah, most people are using Chrome anyway, so we're not going to force them to use a browser. Like with Bing, I have to use that Microsoft Edge browser to use it. And then I have to sign in under my Microsoft account. Now, maybe it's just because I already have the Google account automatically signing in. So maybe that's, if I wasn't, maybe I would have to if I was going to use it. So right. I've been playing around with it a little bit. And um, it just feels like, again, you're, you're talking to a generative AI type of thing. I'm not trying to trick it. I'm just trying to say like, what can it do? what can it do 
So it, it's cool. It's it you know you can have conversations with it and then see if you can create a hallucination. And so far, I haven't been able to. So, um, but there are warning signs all over it that say like, okay, remember, guys, this is just an experiment. If if something if something racist pops out, uh, it's not our fault. Type of or a if thing. it hurts your feelings, or if it hurts your feelings, it has not. It yes, apologizes ahead of time. Yeah, the, the AI has not asked me out on a date yet, and it has not tried to like steal my wife or anything like that. Like yeah. some of the the stuff from ChatGPT and Bing did initially. I think that they fixed it, that. Is it any different from from uh, ChatGPT, or is it pretty similar? It, it, you know, it feels the same. It, I, I, I asked it similar questions that I've asked ChatGPT, like come up with some goofy names for my D and D character, or you know, write a poem and things like that. I haven't really dug into the the whole poem creation stuff yet. Yeah, um, I will at some point. I just haven't had a lot of time. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's. I mean, again, I, I don't know anything about the back end stuff or whatever, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's pulling from the same kind of like database. You know? Yeah, I, mean? I think that they all have their own little training set that's based on all of the the, yeah. the scraping of the internet and you know whether or not it's it, that. I mean, that's how all of these training. Models I mean, there's only one in. internet, right? <laughs> right, but it depends on what you use the internet for, I, I, or it depends on what parts of the internet you are scraping from. I think the chatbot that Microsoft did. Years ago, remember, remember there was a lot of like racist things that that was saying mm -hmm. because they were using social media posts as part of the data set. And as we know, when you go onto social media and start scraping things from Twitter or, you know, other sorts of, you know, forums and bad sites that allow that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, of course, it's going to think that that's normal. And so if you delete those from your training set, you might not be as, you know, biased as some yeah. of these things that were ending up. So I think they're trying to be more careful about it. Um, but we'll see because there's a couple of other stories that came out this week too. There was um, uh, pop, pop up the one that says uh, the genie escapes. So this is uh, Stanford uh, released something called Alpaca, which is a low cost and open source language model that was built atop a meta llama model. Now the reason, so Alpaca llama get it. Mm -hmm. um, it's like llama stands for like large language model or machine. I, I can't remember exactly what it, what it stands for, but so their alpaca um, is a 7 billion parameter variant of Meta's llama fine tuned with 52,000 instructions generated by GPT 3.5. They claim that basically it's, it, it performs comparably to open AI, but basically uh, it costs less than $600 to sort of, uh, initiate this. So the cost of generating a training set for this AI is now, you know, the reason that OpenAI didn't have a lot of competitors before is because you have to spend a lot of money for these training sets, for this data, all yeah. of this data. That's why you've got a lot of money that's thrown at this. But now Stanford basically is like, oh, you can do this for about 600 bucks. That's going to like democratize this whole thing like completely. You're going to start seeing, if people start using this and spending less money, then you're going to start seeing you don't have to rely on open AI as much for this sort of generative AI. Right. So, so like exactly how do they do it? Do they just like find a way to copy? I, you, know, you know, if you dig into it, I have, there's, you, you get into like things that are beyond my pay grade. Yeah. You, you know, in terms of how they were able to do it, it's all okay, on that article. Like there's, there's a bunch of flow charts that you're seeing about how they were able to do it. Um, I think this kind of explains it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Oh yeah, of course it's easier. Oh, there's a giant. Oh, it's a nice flow chart. Look at this. Uh, <laughs> alpacas up top, and then it goes to. Huh. Okay. 
So they just found a way. They found a way. Yes, because people at universities it. like Stanford are very smart, and people people that aren't host YouTube channel uh, hosts like me. <laughs> they host podcasts where they talk about this kind of stuff. Uh, I I just do think that that that's going to be an interesting uh, approach in terms of more companies now coming out with generative AI models that aren't necessarily based on the open AI one. Well, it also begs the question of regulation. Like now, does this right. tech, whatever behind it, does it maybe doesn't, you know, does it need to be licensed? Should it be licensed by, I mean, there is, was another story by, that I don't think we popped up, but I'm, um, it was, uh, the head of OpenAI. his name, the CEO is Sam Altman. He actually did an interview with CNBC and he was basically saying that he's a little bit scared of kind of AI and all this, this new AI technology. And he's concerned about potential disinformation and authoritarian control of AI technology, even though AI is going to transform the economy, labor, and education. So, so even so the head of, of all of this is saying that he's a little bit concerned about right. this. Well, so, I mean, is is what he's trying to say is like he's scared of whoever gets a hold of well, AI, yeah, who and, can control and it, he, essentially. He's, he's, he's doing it from the sense of an authoritarian government like China or something like that. For example, this is a quote from him, quote, we do worry a lot about author- authoritarian governments developing this. Overseas governments have already begun to bring competing AI technology to market. Uh, and that was sort of a reference to Chinese tech company Baidu. Right. Uh, right. That also held an, they held a release event for its AI, which is calling itself ErnieBot. ErnieBot. Um, but in that in that press release, they didn't actually have ErnieBot doing a demonstration. So I think that they were trying to avoid any sort of embarrassment if it was a bad if it was bad information or wrong information. Yeah. Years before Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Russia, President Vladimir Putin said, "Whoever becomes a leader in AI technology will be the role of the world." I yes. Mean, now I think I, like, I can kind of believe that when when <laughs> when Putin was when he said that he was mentioning more about AI being used in warfare and decision making in terms of AIs controlling where troops move or where the drone strikes happen and mm-hmm. things like that. So um, more so. Than just like having something write a poem. I think, I think, you know, quotes like that get thrown around talking about general artificial intelligence or general uh, machine learning types of tools. So, and I don't think Sam Altman is necessarily worried about competitors like Google or some of these other. I think he is concerned about the the more the government control over what information gets disseminated. I mean, the way the way I see it is like everyone is going to have their own version of ChatGPT. Everyone's going to have their right. own Right, they're not going to call it ChatGPT. Right. They'll call it, they'll have their own AI and you'll yeah. have competing AIs. Yeah, they'll they'll call it something else. But, um, you know, I, I think that's one, the the big concern is like having a, a government control over it, right? And, and I then, think what concerns them is, is that because, you know, these companies probably won't be upfront about how much data sets they have and where they've trained their data and like, where are you getting all this information? How is it making these decisions? So, Maybe, uh, you know, a $50 AI that was developed is going to spit out information that is just, you know, not not what the information you'd be looking for from something that's been developed on a right. better. Right. And then on top of that, right, on top of these AI, AI models, right, then you have the deep fakes. Yes. Stuff. So you combine this with that. And remember, then what do you got? You remember, have yeah. your, and I think that's what he's getting at. Like, it's not just, you know the chat bot itself, the chat AI yeah. itself. It's take that, combine it with deep fake tech and then mix it all together. 
boom, you have your chat GPT, whatever, as kind of like the AI engine inside. Then you have kind of like the defake, the defake tech that's kind of masking it. Yep. And then there you go. Remember when we were talking a few weeks ago about there was concerns of uh, political deep fakery going to go on? Well, it happened this week. Yeah, it already happened. It already happened. It's There was a bunch of uh, people that are anticipating um, the arrest of the former president of, you right. know, in New York for this, whatever, whatever they're, they're going to do or not do this grand jury. But somebody went on uh, an AI and created images of Trump being arrested. Um, you, I could tell that these were fake, obviously. I mean, because again... You look at some of the stuff that's being produced by some of these AI art generators. Um, but what they did was they posted these images up on Twitter, pretended they were real. And a lot of people, I think, started to believe that he had actually been arrested. But again, because it's on Twitter. Yeah. So <laughs> these are not real. We're going to say that, yeah, you know, these aren't the, real. <laughs> these aren't real. Um, but they're rather convincing. <laughs> Yeah, and and even in the Twitter posts, it's like making pictures of Trump getting arrested while waiting for Trump's arrest. I mean, um, I mean that's pretty good. I mean, you can yeah. tell that it's like there's. Can you tell that that's fake? Well, so here's the thing, and, and this when is, you look at that, this what, is, this is the issue with um, you know images and video being displayed on the internet is you're going to have compression, right? So the thing with compression is it can kind of blur the lines uh, between the finer within the finer details. So having you know, like looking at this, right. It, it's pretty convincing. It's pretty convincing. It's very hard to tell where, cause obviously this has been masked. Yeah, I, I think it's been masked over. If you look at the, person. the guy, the cop on the right there the, on the upper right, this guy. Yeah. The guy, um, you can, there's something that weird looking with his hand there. Yeah. And then the, 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 um, his helmet there or his hat, that right. looks a little weird too. And it doesn't look like that his Trump's face there would be in the right, correct position. It's a little bit too um, clean. And then see the, the hands there that they didn't do a great job with the hands. It looks, do, do they even have the right number of fingers? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, like that's the thing. I wonder if, yeah, it, like, if like it that was one AI thing just, is not a thumb and then there's another yeah. glove in the back. Like, yeah. So there are little parts where you can tell that it's not real. Right. Right. But again, anybody actually claiming that they are like, obviously this guy does not claim that these are real. Um, but what if he didn't, what if he said, uh, Hey, I just saw this or this is, you know, this, this is the type of misinformation that people are going to be like, share and, and this is only going to get worse and it's only going to get worse yeah easily easily so you know i think that again this is the gift that keeps on giving because we're we're just going to see more and more like my, microsoft for example they put um they added uh stuff from OpenAI's dolly we've talked about dolly before where you know you type in a prompt and it generates sort of some ai artwork right so they've now added that to bing and it's a lot easier now to get the the images generated than it was before where you had to sign into dolly's website and yet so it's a lot quicker it's a lot lot, quicker they give you learning it's it's becoming self-aware already they give (laughs) you 20 they give you 25 credits i've done a a, you know i don't want to waste my credits because i want to come up with some interesting artwork um there was one that i've and i'm not going to show you this but i have a photo when i was when i was younger i was a, a mascot for uh my local newspaper and it was an alligator and so I did have it at, so um, there, there's a photo of me where I'm in the alligator costume and a friend of mine 
was next to me and she gave the alligator a kiss on the cheek like you know just kind of and then the, then someone took our picture okay so i have so when i i typed in um and Lori, if you're watching this it's you uh so if um i typed in chat gpt or the bing I said, draw me a picture of an al- an alligator mascot at a baseball game um, getting a kiss from a female fan. And pulled up your picture. No, no, it, it blocked it because I used the word kissing. Oh, there you go. So it thought that the word kissing was inappropriate. I was like, okay, all right, now we're going a little bit overboard. But again, I'm sort of glad that that filter was there. So now it was then, um, I think I did one of the alligator mascot posing with a, a female baseball fan. And the images that, that came up with were pretty impressive. Like they were, you know, you could tell you were at a baseball game. It was an alligator mascot. They all had different kind of colors. Um, the different fans had different poses. But like that, I, the, the artwork stuff just fascinates me and then terrifies me at the same time. Uh, but now it's in Bing. So now it's a lot easier. And, and, I was, and so I was trying to get it before the show. I was trying to get it to draw a picture of me because my information on the internet about me now, there should be more details about Keith Shaw as host of Today in Tech, um, more so than what Dolly did. Uh, but it still didn't. It still didn't know who it was. I, I tried to have it draw a picture of me in a fedora and sunglasses, and it just gave me some generic drawings of of a you know like a radio host with a microphone um with it with a fedora and sunglasses so it did not necessarily capture my my awesome features your, your likeness I, someday it will but not not today um and then ai will truly be frightening when it, it can do things like that so all right let's switch gears a little bit and talk about all of these tech layoffs you thought we were done with them but you know this quarter is the is the gift that doesn't keep on giving in terms of a number of layoffs earlier late last week it was uh facebook slash meta um they announced if you want to bring this do you have this article up the facebook parent meta you might not have it yeah there it is Ten thousand more job cuts and this is in a, like ones that they had already announced and so i'm wondering if it's because people watched our episode about the metaverse probably not probably not but i'd like to think that they did and someone's like oh my gosh keith shaw was right and this metaverse is going nowhere we need to get rid of more people um so apparently there was you know it's another round of job cuts uh mark zuckerberg sent an email to the staff and basically said that they are canceling some projects reducing hiring rates as part of what he has dubbed the quote-unquote year of efficiency it's like oh boy uh company recruitment teams will be cut first following by restructuring layoffs in his technology groups in late late april uh mr zuckerberg said basically the company will also stop hiring for about five thousand open positions uh and again, it's a lot of it's because of the end of low interest rates, the longer term change of economy. I think people have finally realized that Meta's not, or Metaverse isn't going anywhere. Um, they've they've taken a big hit because of Apple not allowing their Facebook to access certain user data. I think that's been a problem for Facebook for a long time. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Maybe maybe AI will save you know Facebook slash Meta slash Instagram and WhatsApp. Those are the three big ones that Meta owns, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, Meta, not Meta, the uh, Metaverse, sorry. Yeah. I, I think that's going to go. I, that, that's that's going to go. It's going to disappear into yeah. the ether, and the, Mr. Zuckerberg is going to come up with something else. So They're going to come up with their own chat so, AI thing, maybe, called, I don't know, Facebook AI or something, or... 
I don't know. It'll, he'll create a chat bot that'll create your I own just wish family that, members. Yeah, I just wish that they would Facebook. show me everything that my Facebook friends actually do, and and rather than these ads that come, like every other thing is either a sponsored group that I don't want to join or some advertisement that I don't want to buy anything from. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, can you can you imagine the amount of data, right? Uh, for like first party data that Facebook has. Oh yeah, of, I, of all of all of all of us. All of you know, because we all have accounts, we all have our pictures, our images, and stuff on there. But did I did they, I tell you that that story about how uh, we were talking in the office uh, about something about I, I was t- I was telling you that my feet hurt, and uh, another coworker said, "Oh, well, they have these dress shoes that look like sneakers." Mm-hmm. And all he had to say was dress shoes that look like sneakers, and because I I, I had my phone with me. The Facebook app on the phone, which apparently is always listening if you don't turn it off, like within like the next day, I started getting ads on my Facebook feed for shoes that basically look like dress shoes, sneakers that look like dress shoes. Right. And it was like, right. I, as soon as that happened, I'm like, I'm shutting off all of my microphone access to to the Facebook app. Yeah, I know. It's, it's pretty, and I'm sure that all the other apps do this, too. But I was like, it I don't does. Want- I think it, I think it's it's enabled through hardware. So you really got to go into like the hardware of your phone, your audio settings on your phone and, and disable it. Well, the, the Apple on the iPhone, you can you can basically tell all of the different apps to like not access the microphone and not access photos. You can shut you can get pretty serious about not allowing that access. The problem is, is that when you try to then use the app, it then pops up a window. It's like, Hey, I need access to this, this, and this. And then it's like, well, only use it while the, the thing is open. And then if you right. keep the app open, it's still going to do it. And then you have to sort of shut that, shut the app down. But that was, and again, that was, but that's standard operating procedure for a lot of these things. So moving on to, the, so again, last Thursday, we or last Friday, we had the, the Amazon, uh, the, uh, the meta layoffs. Then on Monday, Amazon announced that they're going to cut 9,000 more jobs after earlier layoffs. So again, this is their second round of layoffs. Um, Then this will actually include their profitable cloud computing and advertising businesses that Amazon does. Um, And these uh, are expected to extend into all aspects of its operations as technology firms continue to slash spending. Um, So Again, it's another big company. I would not be surprised to see another round of layoffs from another, you know, from other tech companies. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to continue to happen. I mean, I think it's just, it's the change in the economy, um, I think, uh, on top of yeah, I, I don't think the, the, interest rates. Yeah, the bank, the bank stuff didn't help. Yeah, that didn't from help. from a, from last week, um, and as I was tracking it, there's a website that that, that tracks all of these company layoffs. It's called layoffs.fyi. It was started around the the time of the pandemic, um, but they've got an interesting chart that shows up. If you want to bring up this chart, oh, okay, yeah, I guess um, that. you know, tech layoffs since COVID nineteen. Now the the numbers on the left, all those little bars, that was all 2020. So first quarter of 2020, second quarter of 2020. So that would be April, Mar- April, May, and June. That's when a lot of companies started getting layoffs uh, because of the of COVID nineteen, and then they stopped, and then they didn't start up again. And you know now you're starting to see last year, 2022, 2020, you know Q3, Q4, and now Q1 of 2023. The number of, of uh, laid, laid, people laid off in Q2 2020, 60,141. This quarter alone, 152,858. Yeah, that's crazy. And even last quarter, there was more than the pandemic. So everyone keeps thinking that, oh, you know, pandemic, yeah, a lot of people lost their jobs. 
Um, since then, I mean, this is more in, in, indicative of, of a potential souring of the economy. Now, again, how many of these are, this says tech layoffs, so I'm assuming these are tech companies and not tech necessarily companies. tech employees. Yeah. So a lot of these employees could be in, in roles that are not necessarily tech, you know, sales, marketing, accounting, um, you know, other, other positions, human resources, those types of positions, not necessarily programmers and engineers, but, um, you know, it's still not going to be, it's, you know, if you thought it was only going to be a couple of months, I think that we're going to be seeing numbers like this for a while. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think, I think it's going to, it's going to take some time. I mean, it's not like these companies can just go back after and rehire them. So what will, yeah. yeah, what'll be interesting to see is if this now extends again to not only just tech companies, but then starting to see other enterprises that, that did already have a bunch of layoffs, um, going for a second round. I don't know. I mean, do you have a feeling like, again, you and I don't own companies, but <laughs> if we did, <laughs> like, is it better to have sort of one big layoff or do you stagger layoffs in smaller rounds? I don't, I, I don't think either helps morale, but I think I'd rather just have like a sort of like chop the foot off rather than do little tiny cuts. Yeah. That's I mean, just my, I'd, my I'd, gut feeling. I'd probably do it quick. Yeah. You know, but the thing is, is you don't want to over lay off. Um, right. Cause then, cause then you'll be short. Right. And, and, and having gone through companies where they've done several rounds of layoffs, morale is never good. Morale's never good anyway. Right. If you're a survivor of a layoff, then you've got more work to do usually. Uh, and then you're not really, really happy. But, I've also been laid off and I wasn't very, very happy until I found another job or, you know, found some work that was satisfying. So layoffs stink all around is basically the message here. All right, let's get into our last item that I want to talk about. And that is from the, we told you so department. <laughs> there is a Gallup article uh, that basically says Time is important in the office because it can affect employee engagement and retention. Gallup has found that managers can be upskilled quickly, resulting in higher employee engagement of their teams and increased employee retention in a hybrid environment. Uh, basically, their article is suggesting that making engagement a priority, regardless of where your employees are working, can help improve engagement and retention. Um, and we sort of been saying this as we've been looking at some of these issues of, of hybrid and remote and a lot of offices are still empty, but then there are some companies that are forcing people back in the office. There are others that aren't. And basically this meta analysis of more than 100,000 business units found that you, the units with more bonded workers achieve higher performance and lower turnover. And they basically said virtual meetings are less effective than in hand in-person relationships. Yeah, and I've actually read somewhere, uh, I can't remember where exactly, but they've, they actually found that um, using your screen as a form of engaging with one another is actually more draining on you than actual right. in-person. Trying to pretend to be interested in a conversation. Right, because your brain has to compensate for the lack of context yeah. that's in front of you. Yeah. You know, you're not seeing someone in a 3D space. You're seeing some someone in 2D. So your body kind of has to make up for those, you know, 
lost cues that the body would make when you're like communicating stuff like that. I can't, I, I can't remember exactly where I found it, but it, it was kind of fascinating stuff. And I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. You know, like here's another th- interesting part from this article. Gallup found that nearly all forms of social time boosted the mood, but social time through technology had thresholds. Mood dropped after about 25% of time spent socializing via technology. In-person social time had the largest impact on mood, but the total amount of time mattered less than the event itself. Exercising or eating and drinking together showed the strongest impact on yeah, mood. Yeah. Video conferencing had a weaker relationship to mood. Have you ever been like we've done, you know, Zoom meetings? Um, and, and we've done ones that, that focus on work, but then every right. now and then there are some, some zoom meetings that you have where you just sort of have to give updates on your life or try to socialize in a zoom setting. And again, it gets kind of tiring after well, like the first couple of minutes. You're I mean, just like, Ugh. I mean, let's face it like, okay, communicating through zoom and communicating in person. Yeah. It's not the same. It's not, it's not, it's you're, you're replacing human interaction with staring at a screen. Or, right. or calling someone on the phone. That's really all it is. Calling someone on the phone and you get to see a little a little avatar, right? Or someone's face. It's totally different. It's totally different. And I think it's good that we're seeing articles like this to kind of highlight the fact that, yeah, there is something to be said about in-person interaction. Um, and it's, it's, it's coming out to be more crucial than we thought. Yeah. What I'm know? afraid of is that, that people will take this article, though, and then they'll be like, you know, They'll be like, you must do this or you have to, you know, the, they're going to start sort of mandatory sort of attendance. And I just think they have to sort of say, look, we want you to engage more in the office. I think that this this article even recommended like, listen, set up like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That should be days that you're in the office. They understand that remote work on a Monday and a Friday is great because, again, it's you, Monday and Friday, it's Monday and Friday. Know? There's not there's not as much work that gets done on a Friday. So, you know, it's okay to sort of like build that in. Um, I, I just don't think that it can be an either or. You sort of have to meld all of these things. But by but by leaning one way or the other is not good, I think. Yeah, I mean. You have to allow each employee to figure out what's best for them and what's best for the, the company as well. Yeah, and, and I think where this article is getting at is more of like the mental health um, aspect yeah. of work. Right. And, and I think it's trying to, what it's trying to get at is, yeah, obviously working in person is going to be better on your mental health. And, and, and here's the thing, this might come off as a little radical, but I actually applaud the companies that are mandating going back to the office. Yeah, because I you think, and I differ a little bit on this. I, I think. know, I know, because I think they're trying to do good. They're trying to do good by having us come together in person and try to go back to how we were before. Right. You know. But I'm also of the generation that don't doesn't like the forced fun type of thing, and that feels like forced. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, forced, I, I don't think I don't it, like I don't being think told to do by anybody. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think they're trying to force fun, right? I think they're, they're just, just trying, trying to force, force attendance, <laughs> in person, in person productivity, in person work, right? I, I think that's what they're trying to do because I think, I, I think honestly, I mean, I don't, I don't have numbers or or, or any uh, facts for this, but I can just take a guess. I can just take a guess. And say that I think companies are starting to see the negative impact of working from home. Yeah. Okay. So it, it, go to that. You still have that article up? Yeah. Okay. If you scroll down, uh, there's a, a, an, a nice little line chart down 
Keep going. Oh, it's all the way down. Yeah, right there. Okay, so this is the percentage of engaged workers by the number of days that they are on site. Um, so the number on the left, the first one is zero days. If, if you're all fully remote, uh, if you have a collaborative worker, they're about 40% engaged. Um, that number goes up when it's three days in the office. So you see how that's sort of going up. Yeah. Your peak is around two days to f- four days. Interestingly, it goes down at five days. Like you see how much that... So if you're... If you're forcing someone to be in the office every day of the week, your engagement drops to 30%, to right. 30 to 31%. Yeah. And that's, so it, it, it really does show you that the sweet spot is sort of in between, you know, two days a week or, or, or four days a week. It starts to go down. Like that three, I would just hit for that three. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Like, no, exactly. And I, I didn't know this article had this uh, graph in it. I didn't yeah. go all the way down, but that makes sense. It's like, you know, I mean, and this was true before, before the pandemic. Nobody liked going to work on a Monday. Right. Nobody liked going to work on a Friday. Friday right. is Friday. Right. Monday is Monday. We all hate them. <laughs> so it's like, okay, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three day. I, I believe that. Garfield that had make, a, you that know, makes sense. Garfield the cat had a point about hating Mondays. Right. And, and loving lasagna. Although I don't like lasagna. Really? Or Mondays. <laughs> So, so basically the, 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 the article does give some advice and basically it says that, you know, commit to hybrid work for remote ready employees, um, but also establish standard onsite office days, for example, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, because that will, that will sort of maximize the engagement you're having. And then upskills, upskill your managers to hold one meaning, meaningful conversation per week with each employee uh, about their goals, customers, well-being, and recognition. And I think that if you're going to do that, you sh- that should be an, an in that should be a face to face. It should. Yeah. It should. Yeah. So, yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. So, like we said, we told you so, and this is the, you know we've got proof from the Gallup organization. So yeah. thank you for writing that. And and it might be the case too that a lot of other you know a lot of other institutions or people have been saying the same thing. You know, I, I I'd imagine like psychologists and and you know people who study uh, mental health and stuff like that probably have been saying the same thing. So it's just, it's good to see. All right. Anything else you want to talk about this week? We No, that's, no? Okay. that's pretty much it. I mean, honestly, this whole week, it's been more AI, chat GPT. We do have, uh, who's going on trial? Well, not the trial. It's the uh, uh, testifying before Congress. Testifying before Congress. We are recording this on Thursday, so we did not get to the TikTok CEO. Uh, that'll probably be on our next episode at some point. Well, we're going to talk about that next week because I, I just I want to dig through the testimony and see if kind of what we did with the Ticketmaster thing and uh, maybe pull up some some interesting quotes. Yeah, uh, our, our next episode how. we'll bring popcorn on. We'll we'll kind of <laughs> sit back, analyze what happened, see what makes sense, what doesn't. So just it qu- should be fun. Just quickly with TikTok, it's all about the data. It's not about the dances. It's about the data. Oh, exactly. Okay. All right. That's all the time we've got for today's episode. Don't forget to like this video, subscribe to the channel, add any comments that you have below about what you liked and what you didn't like, and join us every week for new episodes of Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Thanks for watching.